Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, guys, listen, it's been a week, right? It's been a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I wanted to start this. Do I? Yeah, okay, Holy Spirit. Okay, okay, cool. Um, so this week, we were thinking about like, not having church and just doing the online thing only. And so we were going to film it in the room that we did last week because people were like, I don't think it's smart if you have church or the roads are terrible and yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. And so God got rid of one option for us by flooding the basement. He's like, no, you're having church this Sunday. And I was just like, all right, God, all right. So this week has been crazy. In the building alone, we had two water main bursts. And it's still, they're still bursting. Uh, <laughs> and so we had that. And then, you know, the students didn't have any water. And then some of the students, and so I've been busy all week. And some of the students couldn't make it to Kroger. Um, and so thank God we bought a, a new car in December that looks at snow and goes, pfft. What snow is this? What's this? And so, and so I was making a lot of rides to Kroger. And um, yes, I'll tell you guys about yesterday's drive. And it was just a lot of work this week. It was a lot of work. And being a pastor and making sure everyone has water and checking. It was a lot of work. But I found myself, as I was driving, searching for water at 9.30 at night, I just found myself driving. And I couldn't help but sing, it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. And I wonder, like, how many of us default to that place when everything's not going right? Can we say, it is well? And, like, out of the place of just being tired came this new kind of worship within me. It came from this place of just, like, I am so empty that if I don't get you, if I don't start worshiping right now, I may just break down and cry, but I'm going to worship through it all because I'm not going to allow what's going on around me to affect the power that's going on in me. You hear that? Oh, man, let's get into this word. Um, I'm, I'm excited to share this. I, I will say earlier this week, I wasn't excited to share this because I was like, God, I don't even have time to write a message. What is up? And then he goes, I'm going to get you trapped in your house for a couple days. Um, amen. I'm so, so I just want to let you guys know, you who are viewing online and, and really you guys who are in the room, thank you for showing God to be faithful. Thank you for showing God to be faithful. Because we really were considering not doing it, and I was just like, I don't know. The, like, because of the flood, the bathrooms don't work, the heat is weird, like all these things. Old girl's having a little bit of a breakdown this week. But then like, the Holy Spirit was just like, no, have church. There are people who are hungry. Have church. They didn't close the grocery stores during the snowstorm. Why? Don't close, have church. They'll come. And so you guys show God to be true and faithful just by sitting in the seat and being in this room. So don't ever lessen your testimony of like, oh, should I go to church today? It's a testimony every Sunday. 
Look at, we're, gonna, we're in Ephesians 3. We know that Paul made a family declaration for the body of believers, and a declaration is a formal statement and document embodying and displaying an announcement or proclamation. And so the book, the letter written to the Ephesians is Paul's declaration to the saints that we have been saved by the gospel and through the gospel that by the Spirit we have unity. Paul wrote this letter to the, to, to the Ephesians, but look at this. It says, Paul, we're starting in chapter 3. I think we're going to have it on the screen, right? We're going to have it on the screen, I hope so. If not, don't worry. You guys got Bible apps. And if you don't know, go to BibleGateway.com and just put it next to the screen you're watching on. Um, it says, Paul, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Oh, listen. <sighs> This really just got me this week. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Can, can we just get into that right there? He says, for this reason. So if you missed what for this reason is for, go on YouTube or Facebook and go watch the two previous sermons so I don't have to recap right now about for this reason. He says, for this reason, oh, it's really small. It says, the prisoner, Paul, <laughs> the prisoner, of Christ Jesus. Did you guys know that at this point, Paul is in a Roman prison writing this letter to the Ephesians? Paul is in a Roman prison writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. And what does he say? Highlight those words. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul in that moment saying, I am not a prisoner of the Jews. I am not a prisoner of the Greeks. I am not a prisoner of the Romans. I am a prisoner. I am held captive by Christ Jesus. You guys have to understand, Paul didn't let his situation determine who he was. He didn't allow it to. He's right, and now we know prisons at that time were deplorable. And instead of saying, I'm a prisoner to the Romans, he's like, the Romans can't hold me. The Jews can't hold me. The Greeks can't hold me. Christ holds me. I'm a prisoner to him. How many of us have allowed our circumstances to determine our mindset? I'm a child of divorce. No, you're not. You're a child of the Most High God. You're a child of the king. There is kingship on you. Paul didn't say, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the Romans. No, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus because he's hold me, he's held me so captive and I want to stay here. No, you're not a child, you're not an accident. You didn't sneak into this earth. You were crafted by the king of kings and the lord of lords. God, don't let this snow and having the lack of water determine your praise. Paul says, no, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Y'all can take my freedoms away from me in the physical, but you can't take away my freedoms in the spiritual. You can't contain that. Yeah, I'm in this room, but I'm writing these letters and praying to a God that can't be contained in this room. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That just when I started reading that this week, I was like, oh, amen. Amen. I got fired up. I am, listen, you're not a result of a, you're not a child of divorce. You are not a divorced person. And I don't know why the Holy Spirit is leading me to drive into that place. That's not your title. Your situation is not your title. What you went through is not your title. It's just not. So we need to stop speaking as if it is. 
Paul says, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Some of us need to say, oh, uh, uh, some of us need to reestablish and readjust our minds and say, you know what? I am not uh, uh, um, an outcome of my situation. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He holds me captive. That's why he was able, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's why he was able to write these letters. He says, I'm... I know the Romans have me captive, but they can't stop me in the spiritual. They can't stop me from writing letters. They can't stop me from encouraging you. This is what happens when you're so full of the Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't see your circumstance around you as if it is. Because God says to elevate your perspective. Yeah, you may be in a stuck spot in your life right now, but that's not your name. That's not your title. Yeah, you may be in a situation where people want to give you labels. Anyone been slapped with a label they ain't asked for? Go ahead, raise your hand. Everyone in this room, yep. You know the most annoying label I hear for me is like, oh, you're a millennial. So? Is the spirit not alive in me? Oh, you're, 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 you're an ex-addict. So? Is the spirit not alive in me? That's not, you can call me that, but that's not what I claim. I'm called son and daughter of the most high God. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, y'all in the room for a reason, okay? This is participant, participation church. Y'all think you just came in the room to be quiet. No, I could have done that online. Verse 2, it says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mysteries of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations at his, as, at his, as at it has been revealed to you now. So let's get into that. It says... In verse 2, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace. So we know the word administration is also the same word as dispensation, right? This is where we're going to teach a little bit here. Now, those words translate into the Greek called okonomia, which is, I'm going to spell it for you, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A, in which we get the word economy. And you're like, what is, where are you going with this? What does this have to do with anything? This is nice, good lesson and all. So okios, or O-I-K-O-S, kind of like the yogurt, we've seen it, translates into household. The word nemin is Greek, and it also, it means household management. Again, you guys are sitting here with blank faces. You're like, what, who cares, household management. Economy means, and this is the definition, means the wealth and resources of a country or region, especially in terms of production. So you guys have to understand is that what Paul is saying, he's saying this to the Greeks and to the Jews. He says, the wealth and resources or economy of the kingdom of heaven are now available to those in which the Holy Spirit resides. If you don't, if I don't, you're included in that, by the way, because you're a Gentile. 
you're included in that. So it's not only for the juice. So we have, there's about seven or eight dispensations, right? Or household management changes in the kingdom. And so Paul is saying, listen, I've been called to preach the gospel, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And that excited me because if Paul never got the dispensation of grace or the administration of grace or the household management of grace to preach to the Gentiles, we wouldn't be here right now. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he, Paul is now tasked with sharing the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul is tasked, because you guys have to understand in the Old Testament, when God established the law, he established it through Israel, through, through Israel. He says, through you. So if anyone wanted salvation, if anyone wanted it close to God, they would have to go to the Jews, and the Jews, they would have to do the process of cleansing and things like that, and then that, that's how they would be, gain salvation. Now, Paul comes and he says, hey, it's through the blood of Jesus that you have salvation now. Gentiles, you don't got to go to any Jews to gain salvation. It's a free gift. This is why I don't go to churches and tell a priest about my sins. I can go straight to God. Who is the forgiver of all sins? I don't have to tell a priest, hey, here's the things that I've done wrong. He don't got to know. I can go straight to Jesus and say, God, I've wronged. I want salvation. We don't have to go to the Jews for salvation anymore because God says, hey, preach this gospel to the Gentiles. To those who, uh, who, to those outside of of Israel, preach the gospel to them. You guys have to understand that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you have become a household administrator. And guess who you report to? The Father. You are a household administrator of the gospel. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. I mean, if we look at, if we look at our current democracy, right? Every household has a cabinet. It has someone controlling it. And God, in his mighty mercy and, 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 and wisdom and faith and love, he goes, hey, I'm going to make you a household administrator. I'm going to give you my spirit. Now you're going to have the same power that resides in me will reside in you. And so what do you do when you're a household administrator? What happens when you go home, right? When you go home, you have rights that people, strangers don't have. My friends, well, some of my friends, they can't just walk up in my fridge all willy-nilly like, right? Because that's my house. My parents own that house. They own all that. And so the, my parents grant me ability to go up in their fridge, eat whatever I want, and share it with whomever I want. See, in the kingdom of heaven, now that Paul has preached the gospel to the Gentiles and that we're able to receive salvation, we have become household administrators using our giftings to say, hey, you're welcome in. You, you need something? Oh, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. Oh, do you want to see God move in your life? Oh, I, I got you. How, how can you do that? I'm a household administrator. I got the spirit within me. I'm marked with the Holy Spirit. 
Whatever you need, I can pray for. Listen, this week, right, we saw that Memphis got crazy for water. Something so simple as water. We saw so many people thirsty for water. And so I, was, I remember being in Kroger and just being like a little frustrated with people because people were kind of like hoarding water. I don't know what they were taking it for, but it was just, it was a madhouse. And I remember just standing in Kroger and just being like, God, thank you that we have water at our house, but if you ever, if I had this water, I'd make sure it goes everywhere. <laughs> and God was like, a word? Cool, I'm gonna make you a household administrator this week. So our worship leader, Carissa, she gets a call from someone at our church and goes, hey, we heard that the dorms are without water. I, I know someone who's gonna send water. And so Carissa goes, oh, okay. And I was just like, and then she calls me, she's like, hey, I got this call from someone at my, my church back home and they said they're gonna send water because they heard of our situation. And I was just like, oh, cool, awesome. You know, because, you know, simple Jeremy was just like, oh, they're gonna send like 10 cases of water. Amen, hallelujah, blessings, blessings. So I talked to the guy and I talked to another guy and they're like, he's like, hey, we're gonna send water. I said, cool, the address is thinking like, oh, he's gonna mail it and it's gonna be like, come next week or whatever. No, he's like, no, we're gonna send a Walmart truck with 26 pallets of water. A Walmart truck with 26 pallets. And I was like, well, whew, okay. I was, and I was like, well, how much is on each pallet? Oh, there's 50 cases of water on each pallet. Of, uh, on each pallet. We had 1,300 cases of water. In a wa and then the, the guy who's driving, who's sending the truck out, he's like, hey, do you have a place to unload? And I, without even thinking about it, I was just like, yup, 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 gotta, yup, we'll figure it out. And so yesterday we had a Walmart truck and a group of people unloading cases of water that affected six churches, six, Pioneer, um, um, uh, River Deep, uh, Kingdom Church, uh, Christ City Church, Mosaic Church, uh, six churches, two colleges, so everyone at Visible got water. Every person at Christian Brothers, well, not every person, a lot, because we, we sent a lot of it over there. And then we sent the rest of the water out to Millington, where thousands of families don't have water at all. Because I am a kingdom administrator, God was like, I'm going to give you this blessing, and I'm going to make you dole it out, because I trust you, I've trusted you with the gospel. And so guess what? I'm going to trust you with this water. Yesterday was a scene. It was a whole scene out here. We're, I mean, some of you guys were there. Some of you guys were there. We, it looked like we were just throwing waters like, here, take this, like filling up Jeeps full of water just to go deliver them. You see, you have to understand when you pray, as you are a kingdom administrator or as you are a household administrator, because we live in the dispensation of grace, that you have access to the Father's house and his resources as well. That's why he says, hey, when you pray for something, don't pray with doubt, pray with expectation. Pray according to my will with expectation. Oh, you need water? That ain't no thing. I'll send you, you thought you were getting cases? I'll send you pallets. I will overflow the cup and bless the saucer. You're going to have water coming out your ears. 
And so if you guys need water, there's what's left over. It almost felt like, yesterday felt like a, a loaves and fish situation because I felt like every time we were giving away water, like more cases of water just started appearing. I'm like, God, where's all this water coming from? Like every time we'd give away, like there were people who would drive by and they'd be like, hey, can I get a case of water? Yeah, here's a case of water. Hey, I know you have it allocated. There was someone last night who walked by and he was driving by. It was really weird. He was driving by and he just rolled down his window. He's like, hey, y'all giving out water? And I was like, you need water? He's like, yeah, how many can I get? How many you need? I need, I need two cases. I got you. <laughs> when you have the spirit in you, you're going to get resources that you didn't even plan for. That's what the Bible says. He says, when you have the spirit in you, when you're full of the spirit, you're going to reap what you have not even sown. I don't know nobody in Kansas, Iowa, or wherever. I don't have resources to all that water. But I know my dad does. And so this gospel that was now came from Paul, he's like, it's available to you Gentiles. So here's the beauty of it. Let's read verses 5 through 7. Which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises in the promises in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. He says it. Paul says it right here. He says, the truths that were not revealed to the Gentiles in the Old Testament is now being revealed through me. Because of this dispensation of grace, because of this administration, because the economy of heaven needs people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it has now been revealed to me. They don't have to go to the Jews anymore. They don't have to talk to the Jews anymore. They can now gain salvation through Christ Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. They can now gain salvation through the moving of the Spirit. What I love is that it says that no one knew the mystery. No one knew the mystery. Do, do you guys know that not even... There, you guys know there's angels in heaven, right? Like, we've spoken about that. Do you know that these angels are in the presence of God all the time? I can't even say 24-7 because they exist outside of time. They're in the presence of God all the time. Do you want to hear something beautiful? Is that not even the angels knew the mystery of the church. And they're in the presence of God. They didn't even know that. They didn't know the purpose of the church that God looked down from heaven and he goes, I'm going to take Jews who hate the Gentiles and the Gentiles who hate the Jews and I'm going to remove the dividing wall and I'm going to make a church out of them. Some of you guys don't understand the brevity of that. You don't. It's like saying, I'm going to take, and this is going to be a little bit extreme, I'm going to take people, I'm going to take the worst group of people 
on one side, and I'm going to, I'm gonna use this only for example. I'm gonna take the Democrats and I'm gonna take the Republicans and I'm gonna remove the dividing wall and then they're gonna to work together. Wow, what a crazy idea. And so in heaven, God goes, I'm gonna take the Jews who think they, they got it all together and they think that just because they're my chosen people that they're better than the Gentiles and I'm gonna take the Gentiles who may worship other idols and may worship other people and I'm gonna remove this dividing wall and I'm going to make the church out of them and my spirit's gonna flow in all of them because you wanna know why everyone? And I think this is what God tells the world that God wanted the world to see that the church is a public testimony to the grace of God. The church, not, not the building, not the building, not what you're streaming online. The church is a public testimony to the, to the grace of God. The church is literally a public display of the grace of God. So much so that the guy who's writing these letters to the church in Ephesus used to persecute the church. And now he's out building the church because he want, God wanted the world to know I'm a unifier. I'm going to remove the dividing line through my son. So now they're not going to, no one's going to have to go through anyone to be a son or daughter of the most high God. You are co-heirs now with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. I don't have to live by Old Testament law and go to someone. But where I am in Memphis, Tennessee right now, he's like, no, you're a co-heir. You're in on it. This is why I've heard it said before, and I did research, so I know Gandhi didn't say it. Anyone, ever heard, anyone heard the saying that, uh, that Gandhi said, but Gandhi didn't say it, that I love your Christ, but I don't love your Christians because your Christians don't look like your Christ? Anyone ever heard that before? Gandhi's attributed to saying that he didn't say it, so I just want to clear his name. I've heard it said by so many people. When people are like, oh, I love God, but I don't love the church. Does anyone know the people who've said that before, right? Oh, I love God, I just, I don't love the church. It's so confusing to me when people say that. You can't love God and not love the church. You can't love the groom and not love the bride because I am the church. You are the church. We are all a public display of grace. And if you need grace, you need to look at the church. Is the church messy? Yes. Her wig's all to the side. Her makeup's all messed up. Is the church messy? Yes, but it also is a display of the grace of God that has come on each and every one of us to say, listen, I am not perfect, but I come and I have church with people who are also imperfect because we serve a perfect God. That's why it's hard to love God and not love the church because God is a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's hard to love people. I get that. But every time I look at the church and every time I look at a church that with seemingly perfect people, no one wants to go to that church. People want to come to a church where there's broken people because they know people are real. They know we don't have it all together. They know we're a mess. But thank God that he takes our mess and turns it into a message. That's a... That's a the church is a public display of God taking a mess and making it beautiful.
We're not here on our own accord. We're not here for ourselves. We're here to say, I am messy. I am broken. I am empty. Sometimes I take more toilet paper than I should. Sometimes I take more water than I should have. Sometimes I want to show you fingers when I'm driving. Sometimes I don't have that. But listen, yes, I know I'm a mess and you might have caught me at the worst part of my life. But I want to let you know that I love God and I'm a part of a church because everyone in our church is messy. We don't have it all together, but we follow the one who gets it all together. He takes beautiful things and he makes beautiful things out of brokenness. So anytime you look at a church and say, oh, man, they're kind of messy or something is just know that God is in the midst of that. Like the Holy Spirit don't take a break. Yeah, I want to make this clear. Some of us think like, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's working. He's doing all these things outside and, you know, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit is doing things on the outside, but the Holy Spirit never goes to sleep on the inside of you. He's constantly at work in you. He is constantly at work in you. And this is why we need, and and it was just a beautiful display yesterday, right? It's just people just handing out water. It was just a beautiful display because that's what I see the church as. If the church, if we don't get to a place where we're so full of spirit that we're like, what do you need? I can get it to you. I can help you. It may not be beautiful. It may be messy, but I'm going to help you. That's why God created the church. He says, I want the church to be a display of my grace, that all these people in this space or all these people that are coming together are not coming together because they're perfect. They're coming together because they need me. God doesn't need our worship. He desires it. He desires it. He says in verse 7, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. He said, this was a, great, this was a gift that God gave me. Of verse 8, he says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Again, he's doubling down and saying, the angels had no idea. Think about that. You're in the presence of God all the time, and the angels had no clue what God was going to do. And yet, we have the spirit that searches the deep things of God, and it's made accessible to us. We are made... God has made things accessible to us that the angels don't know. That's going to bake your noodle like on Wednesday. You're going to think about that and be like, oh, my gosh. God, I really know something the angels don't know. Okay. It's going to hit you. Don't worry. Verse 10, it says, his intent was that now through the church. Who? Through who? Through who? Through who? And who is the church? Ooh, that's good. (laughs) Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus in our Lord. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. 
Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Paul is saying, hey, through faith, we don't have to do this sacrifice thing. We don't need to build a tabernacle. We don't need to have a special place. We don't, like, I know Christians were like, oh, did you spend, anyone ever heard this growing up? Did you spend your quiet time with the Lord? It doesn't have to be quiet time. It can be loud. It could be obnoxious. It could be powerful. It could be, whatever you want it to be. It says through faith, we can approach God on our own. Do you know how big that is? That we were over here killing lambs and goats and slaughtering and there was blood and there were smells and there was inner chambers and outer chambers because Gentiles couldn't go into the inner chambers where the Jews can go. They had to hang out on the outside sect of the tabernacle because they were considered not holy. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus comes and he becomes the door greeter and he goes, hey, y'all want to come in here? Come on in. The weather's great. God's in here. You're now welcomed. I've opened the door for anyone who's a Jew and anyone who's a Gentile. You can come into the holy of holies where most people can't even come in. You can sit and dwell in the holies of holies. And the God that says you can't approach me says now you can approach me because Jesus, his blood has covered all of you and my Holy Spirit's in you. So now you can approach me. And this gospel that was first for the Jews is now available to Gentiles. And so Paul is, is challenging the church in Ephesus. He's like, don't get it twisted. There is no hierarchy in heaven. You are co-heirs because of Christ. Because of the blood that uh, uh, poured over you. And if you're watching and you're like, what do you mean the blood? What kind of crazy stuff? The blood of Jesus that poured out purified us. It made us clean and allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He's like, now there's no separate spirit of, oh, I follow this. I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I got the baptism of John. The Holy Spirit said, bump all that. You are one in Christ. You are one spirit in Christ. You are one church. This is why if like denominations were a person, I'd punch them in the face. It's really violent, but it's true. I know. Because some of us, we grew up in a denomination that operates so strictly in their denomination, they forget that the Holy Spirit is a unifier. I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't. Whatever Baptist, whatever uh, Episcopalian, um, pres- that doesn't matter to me. Because Paul is saying right here, you are saved by one spirit. You are saved by one spirit. And it bothers me that when, when one denomination feels like they got it more right than the other. Ain't nobody got it right. But we're, if we live by the spirit, we can all have it right. Do you not see the Acts, the the church in the book of Acts? They lived by one spirit and everyone was taken care of. Yesterday was a display of the church. There was no greed. Everyone got what they needed and even more. Sorry, I'm passionate about that. Denominations. 
verse 14. This is the prayer for the Ephesians, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So we see that he's going into a prayer. And in verse 16 he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right? Some of them say inner being. Some of them say inner man. The Spirit didn't come to strengthen you in your outer being. But yet, that's where we give most of our attention. The world gives so much attention to their outer being. What do we look like? What do we sound like? What do we smell like? Am I doing this? Do, do I look Instagram clean or whatever? Do I got drip, as the kids would say? We are so heavily focused on the, on the outer man, but yet right here Paul is saying the spirit des desires to work on the inner man. There are so many people in this world who look so great on the outside, but yet on the inside are dead and decaying and are wasting away. They're wasting away. You have some of the most beautiful people, some of the most richest people, some of the most people with the most resources. And on the outer, they look so great, but at night they can't even sleep. Because the inner man on the inside has not made peace with the spirit. That's why I've noticed so many times like there are people who have been on death row who have received the Holy Spirit and received God and have has made peace with God and they have peace about things that are going on. This is why Paul was saying, I'm a prisoner of Christ because I'm not worried about me, the outer man. I know the Spirit is working on the inner man. Or woman. He just wrote man because, you know, that's a society. He's working on this inner person. He wants to change you from the inside. The Spirit is constantly at work on the inside. The Scripture says day by day we're wasting away, but be on the inside we're being renewed all the time. If we allow the Spirit to renew us on the inside, it doesn't matter how old you get or what you look like because it says on the outside I may be getting old, but on the inside I'm new every single day. On the inside, God is doing a work in me. That's why it says the inner affects the outer. If you are healthy, I mean, and that's not only spiritual, right? That's in the physical. Sometimes some, we put like topical things on our skin, like lotion or whatever, because, or, or like if you get an abrasion or whatever on your skin, that's, the abrasion's not the problem. You got to find out, okay, what's going in, what's going on on the inside of me? They're like they're, the outside uh, manifestation of the abrasions on your body or what's going on is because there might be something going wrong on the inside, right? Anyone ever notice that? Even like, like, let's talk about cars. Smoke starts spewing out your car. It's not because your smoke has a nicotine addiction. There's something broken on the inside that is affecting the outside. That's why Jesus called the Pharisees, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You're whitewashed. On the outside, you look great. But on the inside, you are filthy. On the inside, you're filthy. And some of us are like, well, how do I clean what's on the inside? You can't. You cannot. There is nothing that you can do to clean the inside of you. There is not enough Ajax. 
There's not enough scrubbing bubbles. There's not enough multivitamins. There's not enough whatever that can go inside of you that can clean you. It is only by the Holy Spirit that can he clean your inside. And it's not something that you have to do. It is a gift from God. He says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he's going to clean you on the inside. Don't worry. Don't worry about the outside. He's going to clean you on the inside. Does anyone ever, anyone ever meet someone who just came to Jesus? And they look like a whole other person because they got this joy resonating deep within them. Anyone ever inter- meet those people? Of course you have. It's you. <laughs> when Jesus came into your life, you guys look like two totally different people. When the Holy Spirit entered your life, you no longer looked like what you looked like. There's a joy in you now. There's a story in the Bible of a man who got Jesus healed and gave sight to. And then he went around. He's like, if you remember this, amen. If not, go read it. They're like, hey, this guy received his sight. And it says in the scripture specifically, are you sure that's him? He doesn't look like him. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in you, the joy, of the, lar- the, jo- the joy of the Lord starts coming out of you. It changes what you look like. Some of us before Christ, we just were wild and we had all kinds of looks on our, on our faces and we just weren't taking care of ourselves. But when the Holy Spirit entered in, there was a joy to us that even in our circumstances when we couldn't pay a bill, we were like, it is well with me. It is good. In circumstances where we feel like we were without, we could say, God is so good. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. He says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And so this is the end of the prayer, right? So he started Ephesians 3 with a prayer or began the letter with a prayer. And now he talked about who were co-heirs with Christ. And now he's ending the prayer to Ephesians. He says, who have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Grasp, and Carissa, if you don't mind coming up playing. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Like he wanted to really, really bring home. He wanted to say, I want you to know how wide, how deep and how full the love of God is and how tangible the love of God. God is. He even puts it, he puts it in human terms. He's like, listen, there is no depth and no, no height to let you know how loved you are in Christ Jesus. What, what a display of the gospel. You guys have to understand, you guys, please, please hear this. The Jews knew the Gentiles had no idea that a God loved them. They had no idea. The only thing they knew is that they were going to serve these, these false gods, these little G gods, these, these false idols. And they were like, all right, if I pray to the, the God of the sun, he'll provide. If I pray to the God of the earth, he'll provide. If I pray to this God. So they're praying to all these idols. And yet Paul is tell, telling them the same way God loves the Jews. He loves you too. 
And I want to let you know that the same way God loved your mom or loves your dad or loves, he loves you too. When you said yes to God, you became a co-heir. So adjust your crown, kings and queens. You're not a prisoner to your situations. But you've been crowned with glory. In Zephaniah, it says that God rejoices over you. He sings over you. The same way, I, me being a dad, right? I can't sing to save my life. I know these things. But there are times when I was rocking Ava and Izzy to sleep and I would just sing a little song to them. In the same way, the Father in heaven, he looks down at you and he goes, I just rejoice over you. You just make me happy when I see you. And then Paul ends, and ends as he goes, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone says, amen. You want to see the glory of God? Look at the church. You want to see the grace of God? Look at the church. You want to see the mercy and the love of God? Look at the church. Who's the church? The people literally sitting around you. I bet you if we, I were to go and ask all of your testimonies, it wouldn't be a display of shame, but it'd be a display of glory because you're not there anymore. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you don't have to be ashamed of your testimony because that's not who you are. That's where you used to be. So now we can stand in the presence of God. We can stand amongst our church members, our church family and say, listen, I was a mess, but God, imagine what church began to look like for the Jews and Gentiles. It's so crazy to me because there's a time that is coming. It says when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, whatever you are, you're, whatever you are, whatever you nationality you claim to be, Jesus is coming back and he's like, I'm going, the walls that we establish, I'm going to break down again. Because in heaven there is one church because there is one spirit, because there is one God. So go ahead, have your churches, amen. But when we get to heaven, imagine what worship is gonna sound like. Remember, we, we are products of God allowing language to separate us, but imagine what happens in heaven when we worship in one spirit and one voice. The things that divided us won't matter anymore. Everyone's going to be worshiping in their spiritual language. That's why it's beautiful if you ever get a chance to visit a church of, 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 a different, uh, of your different ethnicity, right? 
So if you ever go to go have been to a church where they sing in Spanish or they worship in in Mandarin or Greek, sometimes, most of the time, when I visit those churches, I have not a clue what the pastor is saying. Not a clue, you know. But I nod and say Amen. But when they start singing worship. It's like I know what's going on. Like I don't know the words, but I know because we're worshiping to one spirit. And so they could be singing in all these other languages, but the spirit knows and the spirit cries out. He goes, oh yes, this is, this is worship. This is it. So I don't necessarily need a translator because the spirit's already been doing that within me. I love how he ended it. Now to him who does immeasurably all that we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory through the church. The glory is not for you, it's, it's through the church. I really wanted to ask you guys, and what do you, if God is doing immeasurably all that we could ever ask or imagine, what are we scared of asking him for? There you go. What are we scared of asking him for? I think some of us are scared to ask him for the things that we, we need and that he'll answer according to his will. If he does immeasurably all that we could ask, what are we scared of? Are we scared of asking him for a spouse? Are we scared of, uh, of asking him for peace? Are we scared of asking him for rest? Paul makes a family declaration through the entire book. And the family de and the declaration in, in chapter three is that there's no more dividing walls. Everyone who's sitting next to you, that's your brother and sister in Christ. If they're full of the spirit, that's your brother and sister in Christ. And I desire unity. So in this season of that we're in right now, who else are we going to serve? What are we asking God for? And who else are we going to serve? Does everyone receive that word today? Amen. If you guys would stand with me, we're going to pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to talk to our Father. If you're in this room, as you're in this room, or as you're watching online, you may feel like, I don't think I'm in the family. I, did, I don't think I'm under this declaration. And I want to invite you to make that declaration today. And what's the declaration? That we are a mess and we've been saved by God's grace and through his Holy Spirit, he makes us new. And, I'm a, and I'm, I will be a household administrator. I'm in the dispensation of grace. I'm in the administration of grace. And even though I am messy, and even though I was dirty, God made me clean. And I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who somewhere in you, you may feel like, wow, there's a dividing wall of whatever in me. And God is pulling at it and he's saying, get rid of that. 
because when you remove that wall, there's so much blessing that I'm going to flow through you. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, the past couple weeks, I've, I've been in a tough spot. I've been in a tough spot. Because someone that I looked up to in the faith didn't turn out to be what they said they were. And that was tough. It was hard. Sometimes stuff like that happens. But you have to understand that in this life, there's no one that is perfect. No, not one. The Bible says everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. And even with the people you look up to, even when they that you feel like they've let you down. God has never let you down. He never has and he never will. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on me. Don't, don't look at Pastor Jeremy. Don't look at any leaders in this church and be like, okay, they're, you know, they're good. No, 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 no. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of your faith, and he will hold you together. He will hold you together, and he makes that promise. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord God, I pray for every person in this room or who's watching online who, who, isn't, who doesn't stand under that declaration. They're allowing things to, to, to divide them from you. Lord God, I pray that they renounce, Lord God, and they turn and repent, Lord God, and that they turn to you and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want to stand under this declaration. I'm so empty without you. Lord God, I want to pray for those in this room who have been scared to ask you for what they needed, who've allowed limiting things to surround them, Lord God, from them being all that you've called them to be. Father, I pray right now that you, the Spirit continues to work on our inner man, that he begins to change us from the inside out, Lord God, that we begin to look more and more like your Son, being transformed into the image of your son being transformed into the image of Jesus not on the external but the internal Lord God where your spirit resides where he dwells and is at work in us Father I pray for every person in this room Lord God that you awaken them to who you've called them to be we love you God we love you Lord we love you Lord and then we know that you love us so much so that you would send your son to die to include us to being co-heirs with Christ. That hell is not our final destination. But if we decide to turn to you, heaven is all before us. So we thank you, Lord, and we love you. And everyone in the room said, amen and amen. Um, we don't have much announcements uh, for this week. Again, you guys know the announcements that go on. Uh, there's a connection card in the back. 
Um, there's, we believe in the power of prayer, so please let us pray for you. We've received some prayer requests, which is great. You know, it keeps me on my knees. And so we do pray for you. And then um, generosity online. Listen, for I know there was a little change online for giving and you're like, well, I've given before and I filled out the profile. If you can, when you give, when you go to give, you're gonna fill out another profile because we're using a new system now. So when you're, as you're filling out the second one, it's for the new system that we're using, the new software that we're using. So if you, when you give, you're not doing it something that you've done before and you're like is this the same website it's not it's a whole different software so when you give give generously and give in obedience but guys you are dismissed i love you guys i ended at 12 o'clock so thank you jesus for his faithfulness but I love you guys. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for right now. We thank you, Lord God, that you have built us together, Lord God. And this is a church in where your spirit dwells. We pray that in the name of Jesus that you keep us this week and remind us of how good you are in the tough times. We just love you and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you guys may take a case of water on your way out if you need it. Um, Please be a distributor, be a conduit of that water, right? So if you know someone, get some for someone else too. But other than that, you guys, we're dismissed. See you guys next week. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.